Hello and welcome to episode one of Healthy Happy Humans with me, Pendulum Physio. My name is Declan Judge and today I'm going to be interviewing my long-standing friend, Mr. Mark Beggs of Monster Rugby. Mark has been a physio with Monster for several years now and I'm going to ask him to share some of his insights from an elite professional sporting environment. And hopefully you guys can use some of those tips and tricks to help improve the the strategies that you have in your own lifestyle for health, fitness, success, and general well-being. So we hope you enjoy, and please share our podcast on your social media. Let some other people know about it. So uh, thank you very much, Mark, for coming on to do um, what is the first recording um, of healthy happy humans so podcast with me pendulum physio aka Declan um so thank you very much mate for coming on how are you doing today oh man I'm, listen I'm great or, or, I suppose in the current circumstances I'm as good as anybody can be um but no man listen thanks thanks for having me on um it's a it's a massive pleasure to be chatting to you as always um a little bit intimidating this one's going to be over recording but listen we'll see how it goes <laughs> no I, I don't think uh, I don't think you intimidate easily mate um so Mark you are physiotherapist with Monster Rugby. Um, tell us a little bit about how you've ended up getting there in the end. Um, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm certainly very fortunate about about where I am. I absolutely love the job that I do, so it's, um, it's, it's very good. Um, I suppose in terms of how I got there, it's been, it's been, a, yeah, a bit of a bit of a convoluted journey. So, I mean, I studied out of Jordanstown. Um, I did my physio degree there, and then um, whenever I graduated from that, <clears throat> I sort of did the same thing as most physios will do out of that. So, registered for the bank lists in physiotherapy and in the, in the NHS, um, got a little bit of private practice work, and um, and and then I started working for that first sort of year out of college. I was I was working with Banbridge Rugby Club, um, which I was eternally grateful for because do you know what that was my first sort of job in rugby um, that that. I suppose yeah. started me on the path. Um, so I mean, through that, like, wh- throughout that first year, um, again, I was very fortunate in my final year, of my my undergrad, that um, I got a my final placement, my elective placement was with Ulster Rugby, um, so I did six weeks there, where um, essentially I just got exposed to the environment really. Um, but off the back of that, um, whenever I had qualified, I managed to pick up a few hours here and there um, with their sort of sub academy or age grade teams. And then that kind of turned into like a full time role um, or full time hours anyway, um, whenever I moved into the summer program. Um, yeah, from there, a job got advertised and I moved across the wheels. Um, I, I worked there for a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, where it was with a, a Welsh National Academy, um, so very similar as you'd have any of your provincial academies. Um, and alongside that, um, there was like a senior club team attached, which would function the same as any All-Ireland League team here. Um, but I was also attached in with the Welsh Under-20s and the Welsh Seven, so like they were they were great experiences. Again, just being absolutely exposed to, to the deep end and, and being exposed to the environment and the players and the problems that you see was was, was excellent and really, really helped, I suppose, build on some of the the educational side of things that I got. Um, and then from that, really, same sort of idea. A job got advertised at Munster Rugby um, with their academy. And um, again, I applied, I interviewed over Skype. Um, 
thankfully got that job and um, I worked in their academy for three years. Um, same sort of process, same sort of idea. Um, and then, yeah, after the three years, I, I finally convinced enough people to, to promote me um, into the senior team. So I'm just finishing off now what's been two years there. Um, and hopeful, hopeful to keep going there. Hopeful. Awesome, mate. Awesome. Um, I'm having a little bit of trouble with sound on my end. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Just actually see whatever I think where it's recording. Um, halfway through that, my own face popped up on this, <laughs> which is why I kind of went. <laughs> um, um, so sorry, buddy. Back to what we were chatting about your your sort of your pathway so far, and um, it's funny like you and I go back a long way and. At that time where you were just, you were at uni and you were getting started and you were qualifying and I was your physio. <laughs> you were playing rugby at Portadown. Yeah, um, definitely. That was, man, like, at the same time, we sort of laugh about that now. Um, like, that really was, um, I suppose, my first proper experience of... Um, you know, in some way, what a sports physio was like. And uh, granted, it was only Portadown Rugby Club. <laughs> and I, I mean, only... I certainly wasn't, but yeah, that was that was definitely something that that I would still have as um, as uh, something that that pushed me towards you know what I'm doing now. So, like, man, for all the chats we had, I'm always eternally grateful. So, thank you very much. <laughs> Not at all, buddy. Uh, you're always a pleasure of a player to look after, and I do remember some excellent tries, particularly down in uh, down in Galway in the All Ireland Cup. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of choice uh, smelly breaths that morning, I think. Uh, going on to the bus <laughs> yeah um so the the chat from today's podcast was really to try and talk to people about an elite mentality so a lot of the people locally that i look after that i talk to are amateur athletes but they take their training pretty seriously so i wanted to do a podcast that sort of quite holistically talked about yeah, health and fitness but also just general well-being and general happiness and what brings people joy and right now you and I are both doing this video call but we're in lockdown so there isn't really a lot of joy to be had but I figured we could try to talk to people about what experience or what knowledge you have from working with Monster and from your experiences so far that people might be able to piggyback or use in their own life in terms of staying active, staying happy, staying healthy and applying some what you would call sort of high-end um, tips and tricks, you know, being in that elite environment in which you work, what can you say to people about tips and tricks for getting the most out of their training and getting the most out of their active lifestyle? Yeah, I think um, I think it's a really good question. I think it's a, it's a really good time to be starting to explore some of these things because um, you're right, like, we're all, we're all kind of in the same boat at this point, um, whether it's professional athletes or whether it's um, anybody else at home. So, like, I think the first thing is always to, I suppose, in today's day and age is to appreciate, I suppose, like, we're in something now that I don't think anybody has ever dealt with before. Um, certainly nobody really knows when the end point's going to come on this. So you're exactly right. Things like po positivity are massively important. Um, but I suppose number one priority for me on this is, is, like, at the end of the day, never mind training at this point. Um, it really has to be about staying healthy um, and it has to be about I suppose, staying free from illness at this point. So, um, I mean, from my point, that's following all of whatever the government's guidelines are around, whether it's yes, social distancing, whether it's I know in the Republic of Ireland, where I'm living, obviously, um, we have uh, like you, you, you live local. So it's, you know, you're allowed to live and move um, for exercise. 
sort of within a 2k radius of your house and and it's that sort of stuff that I think is so so important and um, certainly today and, and, and in, this, in the current scenario that we're in it's you know like we just unfortunately we have to kind of cut our cloth accordingly I mean there's a lot of people um, on the front line doing some great work and we're so thankful for them so I think a flipping mindset is something that certainly I've tried to use over this period that instead of suppose, focusing on what I can't do I can't you know get on the bike and go for a, a 30 40k cycle um what can I do so I can still I can still get out and I can still exercise I can still run or or whatever so I suppose that's the first thing you know it's it's really about still following all the guidelines that were given and listening to the experts on that um, and as I said that's the same for you know anybody with living at home or anybody in lockdown at the minute working from home or or as I said professional athletes that are are, are currently working from home um it's exactly the same um, yeah I think that's a really good point Mark is um you know my social media feed is filled with people doing home workouts and, and exercising and lots of tips and advice and yoga and all these classes going on but I guess none of that matters a damn if you you know if you go out and you uh, you lick your fingers after touching a handle and you get COVID-19 and, and you're in ICU. That's that's it like and you know like obviously you know there's a this this virus is obviously something that, that can be dangerous. Um, thankfully, it isn't for a lot of people, but it can be for some. Um, and that's something that we really have to respect. Um, I suppose its infection rate is something that we have to respect as well, as you say. Mm-hmm. So that comes down to, you know, as simple as whether it's alcohol, hand wipes or, or, or washing hands. You know, that's really important, too. But if you take it away from that and actually look at it, I suppose, in a training scenario, you know, the worst thing you'll do for your training at this point is be sidelined for five days, six days of bed rest if you pick up this virus and that's a best case scenario of you not becoming really ill. Um, so as I said, really aims have to be a not getting it and B, if you do pick it up, obviously not passing it on. Um, even from a training point of view, I think that's really important as well. Um, so, so definitely, definitely. And you're right. There's so much good content. Um, certainly on my social media as well about people doing home workouts and yeah. Challenges, the amount of challenges that have gone out um, between trying to keep a, a toilet roll um, up in the air and keep the ups to, to actually do impressive challenges and stuff. So that's all that's all really good content. And I mean, I suppose there's a lot of people out there that are very lucky to have some kind of equipment at home. And and it's just about, I suppose, trying to be quite creative and inventive about how you use that to, to get what you want out of it. So so again, it's there's a little bit of creativity in it, um, which I think is important too. Um, it's, it's a challenge at this point, but again, it's... I suppose you got to take that as the things that you can still do and, and, and get out and do what you can um, in, a, in a safe environment and, and I suppose still respecting the things that we have to respect at this time. Yeah, I see some of your boys have been uh, putting up their videos online. Uh, yeah, I know that I know that you won't give anything away from any individuals or anything like that, but just tell Joey he's uh, got to be a wee bit more creative than just getting on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, do you know what? Our guys... Um, Again, I definitely not name names, um, but our guys continually um, impress me with how creative they can be, um, and about some of the stuff that they're getting up to at the minute. It's um, it is again, it's because it, that's important as well. I mean, we have um, we all have our WhatsApp groups, or we all have our our social media groups that we're all on, and yeah. Um, yeah, listen, the ability to be able to laugh at some point in the day is is massively important. Whether you're again, whether you're living it at home in lockdown, whether you're a professional athlete, that that's really really important. Um, I suppose. The one thing um, in terms of actual, I suppose, appropriate and applicable advice, um, 
around around lockdown at the minute um, that I think we've pushed across to to, to the players and, and it's really really appropriate for everybody is is the idea of having some kind of a, a consistent uh, schedule or routine yeah um, I mean you know in terms of even mental health it's just not going to be appropriate to you know stay in bed later and and get up and be lethargic throughout your day it's it's the same sort of idea so some of the best advice I got whenever this kind of happened was um, something I read on Twitter from a guy who who'd been working from home for a number of years and uh, it was the whole you know set your alarm get up at your normal get up time shower have your breakfast get changed ready for work and if you need to sit at your laptop then you're sitting at your laptop and stop have your coffee break have your lunch break you know as much as possible try and schedule and routine your day um and as i said if that that then should include obviously some form of exercise so i think routine should be something that we that we do cling to at this stage because i think it kind of it gives your desk structure which is really important and under normal circumstances um when you guys are going around your day-to-day through the season is structure something very important then and how you set up the, play, the the day for the players and the day for the the staff yeah yeah i mean um our day is 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 i suppose similar to any business or any environment where you have um a group of people that you're trying to keep aligned um our players will follow a schedule i mean we have 45 just 47 players at senior squad level plus you know another 20-ish at academy level so there's a lot of players and a lot of staff attached to that 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 all have to be on the same line um, and have to be aligned in what we want to try and do. So, yeah, the guys have a schedule that's sent out at the end of the week before. Um, right. So sent out on the Friday, and they'll have the schedule for the week. So they'll know, you know, what time their meetings are going to happen, um, when their gym sessions are, when their rugby sessions are. That'll be, that'll essentially just be like the same as a school timetable would have been. You know, nine o'clock you have this meeting, and, and 10 o'clock you have this session. And, and that, that structures the whole way through the week. Um, and that that's the same then whenever we get into even even now um, it's obviously a bit looser but we still have recommendations around you know when guys are trying to lift and when guys are trying to run and, and, and that's mm-hmm. but yeah it you know what, the, the best the best description of it it's the same as a school timetable would have been it's um, literally a an, an A4 la, uh, landscape and, and the week Monday to Friday is put on it so the everyday Joes the average Joes out there. Uh, a really good tip is to try and create structure every week in advance to try and plan those workouts, plan those runs, plan those meals. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm certainly, I, I'm certainly guilty of, of just trying to go with the flow and 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 you know, ah, oh, yeah, I'll go for a run now and you know, a gym tomorrow and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think it's a really good piece of advice that if you have, um, if you have something where you can, whether it's a you know on your laptop or on a scrap piece of paper or something that you stick on your fridge, I think it's really good to plan your week. Just because then you'll get a feel for what your routine looks like um, and your body will adapt to that as well. So like if you know that, you know, I don't know, if you're a runner and you know you're going to run four days a week, you know, what do those four days look like? And I suppose like we talk a lot about planning um, and how we go through a season. But, you know, if you look at your very high level planning where you're just mapping out, you know, when things are happening, you know, once you have that plan, it's not too difficult to then get into the detail of, well, okay, well, what does that session look like? And what am I trying to get with that session? So, you know, once you put down that you're doing three runs a week, you know, you'll then be able to put your next layer of detail to say, okay, well, I want one of those to be a long run. Grand, that's going to go there. I want, okay, that means the two others kind of are going to be a bit shorter. Or else, even if it's your gym split, I mean, if you're completing four gym sessions a week, to get the most bang out of that, you know, maybe a bit of consideration behind what your gym split's going to be. So, you know, are you going to go 
two uppers, two lowers? Are you going to look at, you know, four total bodies? What sort of exercises are you going to look in there? Because again, I'm coming back to me on this, like whenever I would have sort of started off in the gym and all that sort of stuff, I'm not, not that I'm a whole lot better now, to be honest, but <laughs> um, it would have been very much, you know, walk into the gym and then start thinking about what I'm going to do. So you would have spent in an hour session, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, like flapping around, not really doing too much. Yeah. Where if you kind of have that plan of what you're going to do going in, it means you're in and you're you're in and out in a much shorter time and your time's been been better spent. I think that's really interesting, mate, because from a personal perspective, I find that with busy working hours, it suited me much better to start at a 24-hour gym. Um, and it meant I was getting some late night sessions done, um, not really the early mornings. But when you go late at night and there's nobody there and you can compress that workout into 45 or 50 minutes and get a lot done. Um, I think a lot of average Joe's struggle with that sort of that 6 p.m., 7 p.m. gym routine, commercial gym. It's just packed. And like you say, you're going in and saying, well, what's free? What can I go on? Now? You know, what's available? Um, and that, that maybe doesn't sync up too well with trying to trying to reach some goals if you're sort of a high-end GA player or you're a very competitive runner. I guess you want to be a little bit more um, value for time on those on those workouts and those planned gym sessions. Uh, 100%. And, and that's it. It's about, like, as you say, um, like, you know, in our environment, you know, whereas our players are professional athletes and, and they spend all day training and, and going through content, they still don't have all day to do it, if, if that makes sense. So they, they can't yeah. spend, you know, an hour and a half in the gym because they have so much more to get into their day that that just isn't possible. So it's that it's that idea of just going in and being focused. And that that um, can be changed over exactly to somebody who's working a full time job and playing sport, you know, training in the evenings and playing one game on a Sunday or, or a Saturday um, and trying to combine that with a full time job because you know, same idea. If you're finishing at five o'clock, six o'clock in your job, and yeah, you're right, you're then trying to get some kind of food in, get to a gym, finish your gym at whatever time, and then get home to spend some kind of downtime and relaxed time before you you prep for work in the next morning and, and the cycle starts again. It's that. Um, and, and it's about trying to, I suppose, best use your time because invariably with all of our lives that are so busy, we just have so little of it. Um, but at the same time, it's just about um, if you can have a plan at the beginning of your week to know that these are the days that I'm actually quite tight for time, that then you mm-hmm. can be starting to things, even if it's something as simple as carrying, you know, your, your lunch with you um, that you don't have to stop and pick it up. You don't have to stop and cook it or, or any of that sort of stuff. It kind of it helps minimize the I suppose the that random stress that goes in through your week um, and helps you feel a bit better prepared to, I suppose, make the most out of the sessions that you have in a way. And you mentioned there about relaxation time and downtime. And how important is that in, as part of a recovery plan for managing those sort of early yeah. days? Yeah, it's it's massively important. It really is. I mean, um, the interesting thing about recovery is that a lot of people put quite a lot of emphasis around the sort of, I suppose, passive recovery strategies. So um, looking at massage or looking at... You know, if it's your your massage guns or if it's um, you know, <laughs> your foam roller and, and that sort of stuff. So I suppose my advice is always around recovery is that it's so individual. Um, the things that work for me won't work for anybody else or won't, might not work for anybody else. Um, you know, your recovery generally may be 20 minutes of yoga in the evening and that might be something or in the morning. And that might be something that, that you really enjoy doing and, and you get a good benefit out of. And if that's the case, that's that's the thing for you. Um, same idea. If you feel that that 
sitting on a roller for, for 20 minutes, half an hour in your evening, again, is the same thing for you. Do you know what, man? If that's spending an extra half an hour with your family and your kids and playing around and de-stressing and, and you know not worrying about everything that's happening in your day, if that's the thing for you, that's a perfectly appropriate recovery strategy um, because we know that recovery, whereas there is, I suppose, physiological things that we want to try and change if we try and get technical like the mental side of it just completely outweighs that so again in terms of bang for your buck it's whatever you feel better after doing chances are that has the better effect um i love that right. i love that buddy i, lo- I love that now the, cav- the caveat goes out that if that's a big tub of ben and jerry's every night maybe not the best idea <laughs> try to keep it within the realms of reality a little bit mm. a little um, yeah, a little bit um, yeah, I um, yeah, I, I think I would uh, I, I would sort of preach from the same book whenever you know if you're being drawn into a little bit of a comment online if you if you've posted something and you've got somebody who's trying to draw you in a bit of a comment I think it's I think it's hard in 180 characters or less to to in how contextual things like physio treatments or recovery strategies or any kind of a sports medicine or even you know the, the other end of the stuff that we don't do the psychology end of things you know I, I think context is massively important for individuals and that you have to play with the parameters to get it right for you the individual oh 100 and it's actually interesting you bring up social media man because um i suppose again back to sort of the current scenario we're in like that's something i've had to i've had to massively limit um not necessarily things like my instagram i think that's sort of fine like i'm able to deal with that but there's a lot of a lot of negativity on social media um i and, and specifically thinking like twitter um for me that do you know what like certainly the first couple of weeks of, of lockdown were not in any way helpful for me um and like you're just you were getting off it and you were feeling you know fairly shitty and you were feeling down and you were you're almost really negative about the whole scenario um and whereas it is important so um to to be realistic about it it was just too much for me so like I've, I've now had to put that sort of cap on my twitter time because like i go on now in the evening and i'll sort of get you know, an update for where the current scenario is but that's really all I'm going to look at and listen to in terms of, I suppose, the COVID-19 side of things, because yeah, it's just not helpful. Yeah, there's a lot of overload. Mm. It's quite a shame that anybody, a professional, should feel like they can't really engage in Twitter um, or that you feel that nervousness about going engaging in Twitter because our, our mutual friend, Richard Johnson, um, you know, a great researcher, great physio and living in Australia, but published through University of Limerick in a, in a PhD with a really great piece of work. He was nervous about tweeting it because no matter how good uh, the work may be, you're always going to get somebody out there on, online who, who wants to have a little bit of a snipe at things. Um, I just think it's a real shame that, that you can't feel confident to put good work out there without that nervousness about somebody, you know, ha- having a bit of a go at you. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a disappointing side of it, I think, because, like, I suppose, again, if we come back to being realistic, you know, you're never, obviously, you're never going to please. You're never going to um, agree with everybody. And that's really, that's that's life. Do you know what I mean? That's fair. Um, but, yeah, it gets to, I suppose, people and, and some people's interpretation of what social media can be is that it's it's, an, it's a, a, an avenue to have a go or it's an avenue to, I suppose, express your views. And that's regardless of, of common decency sometimes. Um, I mean, listen, I think you really do have to treat social media the same as if you were in a face-to-face conversation. You know, if you're not going to literally say something to someone's face, um, that's kind of the rule of thumb that I'll go by if I'm not happy to say <laughs> <laughs> like it's, got to, 
for it to, to come back and bite me at some stage because you know what that's that stuff stays online and that stuff is something that we all have to work with and deal with so you know I, I definitely want to have a I suppose a positive social media experience um it's not something that I want to to go in and, and, and feel really bad about and I think your point's really fair there I mean there's so much good content that goes up on social media I mean I know personally from a physio side of things I get a lot a lot of detail out of things that people publish and and post online and I'll follow threads and it's really really beneficial um so I think that's it like it's just trying to stay as positive on it as possible the unfortunate side of things is just some people won't be and and that's difficult um it really is so I, I share probably Richie's um caution over it because you know you do kind of have to automatically screen anything you, you go to put up just to make sure that I suppose a you mean what you say um and that you know yeah. you thought about what you're saying it's not just a I've read something. I'm smashing my keyboard now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send it in and, and see what happens. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of my view. I'm not. I'm certainly not one for calling people on social media. I think I think also though you know being professional doesn't mean being a completely different person, being false. I think you also yeah. have to bring a, a certain element of your own personality. Do you know? Mm, you can't totally leech your online presence. Um, <laughs> and that's it. And so I suppose, like, personally for me, um, my my Twitter would be where um, I'd be, I suppose it'd be more my physio-related stuff, if you know what I mean. It'd be more like yeah. stuff. It's still my account. It's, it's, it's nothing different to that. So, But that would be where I'd post that kind of content, whereas my, my Instagram would just kind of be like my own, my own personal kind of kind of shits and giggles. It would be, you know, whatever that sort of set of things my personal life so that's kind of where i sort of draw the line i use my twitter for i suppose more physio related stuff and then my instagram for something slightly different now i know you're getting you're getting obviously quite a good good um experience through through i suppose social media on the on the business side of things and and benjamin physio has a really good good um i suppose presence on both so i mean you're obviously using them for business man how do you find that yeah do you know at, at the beginning I was a complete beginner, so and when I started talking to people in the industry, people who knew what they were talking about, and, you know, they were saying, "Look, you got to put your face in the brand. You got to put yourself into the brand. You, you know, people be your symbol and your logo. People want to see who are you, what do you do, what do you stand for." So definitely, I tried to work hard on putting a lot more of the myself and now the other staff who work in the in. in so is there any problems that come along with social media when you're managing a, a professional squad of rugby players? Um, thankfully, not on my end. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sort of far enough down that run that, that it doesn't come at me. You're um, not involved. It's not your yeah. egg. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, do you know what? It is difficult at times because, you know, there can be. There can be. But, I mean, listen, our, our players are, are obviously excellent. And, and do you know what? They're, they're good at, at, at managing that. They're well-trained in terms of their social media stuff. Our communications team are excellent. So, from that side of things, it's it's really positive. Um, yeah, listen, you're always going to get the questions about when players are returning and, and that sort of stuff. As I said, thankfully, that doesn't in any way come to me. It, it comes through our communications team, so it's dealt with on that side of things. You know, our media, thankfully, it's not it's not as, as um, I suppose, communal as just, you know, somebody directly tweeting <laughs> me. Now, the players may get that, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, all that sort of stuff would come through our, our comms team, and, and, and as I said, thankfully, a lot of it's buffered out that we don't have to put up with. You could draw on your your experience in there, an elite 
uh, supporting scenario. Things do you recommend as your do's and don'ts for nutrition for, for people at home? Good question. Um, so yeah, listen, again, uh, for nutrition, big one for me is consistency. Um, I think for me, again, personally, um, a lot of people are great. Um, you know, a couple of days of the week are great Monday to Friday, and then they kind of fall off the wagon Saturday and Sunday. So consistency is number one. And that has to be a seven day thing. And with consistency comes something that you can be consistent with. So, again, it's it's not about having a realist, an unrealistic diet that, that you just cannot in any way hope to live off. So, I mean, your diet has to be that. It has to be that, that thing that you're happy to be eating um, and you have to be happy to be to be inputting is number one. And then number two is that exact is just being um, as varied as you can with it. So, again, we're all going to get bored with with what we eat. But if you can keep a good balanced diet. Sorry for the sound bite, but if you're a good balanced diet and you have some variability in that and some wiggle room with it, I think that's something that you're going to lend yourself to be successful with. I mean, it's as I said, it's these people that go on, you know, crash diets that, that they can't sustain are the ones that are going to go up and down on weights. The people who you see have really, really good outputs and, and really, really good progress from their nutrition side of things are exactly mm-hmm. those people that, that keep consistent and that have a really, really, as I said, workable um, food intake. And what about then your top tips for average Joe to avoid injury and, and try to stay in sort of performance zone? Yeah. So again, number one, coming back to that plan, have a, have a set of goals that you want to try and achieve. Definitely really important. Have a plan for that, that you're going to map out your road work as to how you're going to get there. And then I suppose the big one, I suppose from a physiological side of thing, or just look at gradual increases in what you're doing. I mean, don't look at, as I said, trying to do the, the the marathon and, and jump from doing no running to doing a 10 miler you know be really realistic about that so i mean a general rule of thumb is around that sort of 10 15 percent increase now, listen with that uh, when you're starting off that can be a little bit greater that can be a little bit more but certainly if you're a consistent trainer and you're a consistent athlete um yeah in around 10 15 percent increases on a weekly basis are normally appropriate great great um so i, I think it'd be fair to say buddy that you know, you and I talk on a, on a semi-regular basis. Um, I would keep up to date with with how sports medicine has performed in elite settings. Um, but when I'm trying to deliver to the amateur or, or the high-end amateur, as I call them, um, generally I would try to talk about doing the simple things really, really well. And and, and would you would you correct me if I'm wrong? But I mean, in a high-performance unit, in an elite or a professional sporting unit. It's really about just getting the simple things done really, really well, and and anything on top of that's a bonus. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Listen, that's that is literally the thing that I keep coming back to. It's it's my motto at this stage. Um, if you can, yeah, exactly that. If you can, if you can manage off and get those simple things done well. I mean, if you take um, the different aspects of training and the different aspects that you'd like to improve on. So you know, you have your sports specific stuff. So whatever the sport is, you know. Uh, whatever the activity is you'll have things like your um, analysis of that you'll have your strength conditioning beside it you'll have your physiotherapy or me- your medic me- your sports medicine side of it and you have your nutrition side of it but if you take each of those components and just do the basics really really well you're covering mm-hmm. like 99 percent of what you need to do there i mean all the interesting stuff about not interesting stuff all the fancy stuff that 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 you know you might see on your Instagrams because it's it's different um, and it's the stuff that people put up because it's interesting like that that's the one percent um it's certainly not the 
the day-to-day of people just, again, coming back to, I suppose, the key things of consistency and gradual increasing. And, and for me, progressive overload is is the principle that gets everybody. Um, if we can stick to those, then then you're, you're going to manage most of yeah. Um And then, listen, there'll always be, uh, that's where, again, we're probably quite lucky in our end because there'll always be the opportunity to do some some weird or wonderful or, 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 or fun, funky stuff. But as I said, it, it doesn't take away from, yeah, coming back to basic principles. And as you say, and you've said it perfectly, man, uh, simple things done well. It's that, that moment of temptation to think that instead of actually having to get your eight hours sleep and eat well regularly and get consistent, you know, training and then play sport, you know, and train, instead of doing all those things well, can I just throw some money at it and get a quick fix? And even, you know, even me had that little moment of temptation, you know, where you fool yourself for a second to think, oh, maybe these are good, and they never are. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. For me, like things like like, like massage guns and and um, you know soft tissue treatment and that sort of stuff. It, and I know we were speaking about this offline a bit, but yeah, it, it comes back to what does it do? And I suppose it, physiologically, it won't make any long term change to any of your muscle tissue, um, and that's the thing that comes back to. Will it make you feel a bit better? Probably. If you use it well, it, it will. Same as same as a massage from, from any of us. Um, you'll probably feel slightly relaxed after it. And if, and if that's your goal, and if that's all your goal is, that's perfectly appropriate in my eyes. And that's where we might differ, Decky. Yeah. Um, but again, in terms of the actual... No, I, I, your, your hamstring, definitely not. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think... I, think no, I don't think I disagree with you at all. I think if you want to buy one cheap and use yeah. it for the crack absolutely knock yourself out don't spend 800 quid on it yeah. don't expect it to cure an unstable knee or an unstable ankle or like you say a hamstring and yeah. um, so no i reckon we're probably on the same page on that great great <laughs> fair fair and balanced opinion yeah um and that's it like like when you come back to simple things done well it's like i you're probably the same but i'll get messages throughout the week from friends um who sometimes only contact me actually when they have a physio related problem, but that's exactly <laughs> um, but no, I'll get a question and it'll be um, you know, uh, you know, tweak my hamstring or, or, or roll my ankle on a on a pitch or whatever that's nice, what should I do? And my answer to that's exactly the same as it would be if I was managing any of our lads um in work. Like it's exactly yeah, the same. Yeah. And it keeps coming back to the to the same stuff that that you would do at the back of a first aid pack. Like the reason it's there is because it's the stuff that works. So it's literally, if someone comes in with a hamstring or an ankle or whatever, for me, if it's painful, they'll ice because it'll reduce some level of pain. If it's not painful, they don't need to ice. And primarily speaking, all we're going to look at is compression and elevation. And mm-hmm. and that's the same advice. Like that's bog standard. If you think you're any of your anagrams or anything, that is the bog standard of what you're going to try and do. Um, and it's the advice I give out to anybody. But that just reinforces as i said simple things done well it's the same thing that we do it should be the same thing that that everybody does well i love that buddy because that's exactly what i'm trying to get out there is instead of going to the weird and wonderful and the crazy is just do do it simple do it well just like people do in the elite scenario the the, the professional scenario that's it i mean yeah if you look at um yeah i say if you take the majority of our injuries um they're, the most important thing we'll do around time loss and about improving recovery from injury is manage it effectively when it happens. So player comes off the pitch normally um, and they'll be looked after to the stage of where, you know, they'll generally be compressed and elevated or maybe iced. 
Um, and then it's after that that their entire rehab looks on exactly the same principles. It looks at what what are they doing in their gym, how are they getting stronger. Do you know it's not like as much as I'd love to pat myself on the back, it's not my massage that makes them better. Do you yeah. know, it's through the continual stress of um, their exercise program, their their gym work, progressing their contents, starting them off gentle when they run. I mean, and then progressing that up to something that looks a bit more like rugby. Um, and that's a really condensed view, but it's essentially what we do, do you know? Um, before we start to finish up today, mate, uh, you mentioned, you touched on something there that I just want to, to, to maybe speak about for a couple of minutes, and that's time loss. And that's something that I do try to get across to coaches and managers of groups of players or squads of players. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that in the professional or the elite scenario that people have all a really good handle on it. But I do think that in the amateur, even what I call the elite amateurs, people who are unpaid, but they train at a very high level. They're exceptionally high level athletes, but maybe aren't professional athletes. But I still think there is a little bit of a missing puzzle piece there with that concept of group time loss. And I still deal with a lot of coaches and managers who want their player back today, yesterday, you know, tomorrow. And um, that investment in time of the extra little bit of rehabilitation to make sure that there aren't relapses and those kind of things. Could you speak for a couple of minutes just on on, on sort of your um, your knowledge about about group time loss? Yeah, I mean, I mean, time loss is you're right. Time loss is the number one thing, I suppose, especially on our end in terms of injury. You know, it's the first thing people ask, you know, how long is it going to be out for? And that's natural. You know, people want to know when when guys are back. So that's really natural. And players want that too. Players exactly want to know when am I likely to come back after this. Now we're really fortunate in that, like um, the lads that we work with between the coaching staff and the players, all have been in and around the environment long enough, and they're really, really good at understanding. Now they all want people back as soon as possible, but they understand the process around what that looks like. I mean, um, so that's that's the first thing. I think you have to have that kind of level of understanding, and, and we're fortunate that we do. Um, if if you don't, um, I suppose which is a difficult point of view, I suppose, to have or a difficult scenario to be in if the coach doesn't understand and, and won't accept no for an answer, no, I need that player back next week. And it's just about re-emphasizing, A, that, you know, the player that they potentially will be getting is is not the player that, that they want to have, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So, you know, Joe Bloggs, who has a, uh, who done, done his hamstring, you know, last week that we know is, is, is a low-grade hamstring, it might be around that sort of 11 to 14-day period. But, they want them back in seven and you're going, he's not going to be there. And and that's like, for me, that's a relatively low risk injury as in that's an injury that worst case he's going to do there is make his injury worse. Mm-hmm. Not a massive big issue, but, but bad if, if that's not the outcome that, that you're desiring, that's, yeah. the, if that's not risk you're happy to take, then that's not an appropriate decision. So that's the first thing they have to get understanding that the player that they're getting might not be the player that they want to get. Um, and then out of that, for me, the big thing around it, whereas we do, and you'll always hear timeframes come out in professional sport, none of our processes um, are time-driven, um, potentially with the exception of a bone injury with a, with a fracture where you know it needs roughly this amount of time to, to settle mm-hmm. and, and become strong again. But generally speaking, um, in most cases, what we'll use is the idea of task or, or criterion-based yeah. progressions. So effectively for us, if you take rugby, um, you reverse engineer the whole way from rugby. So break rugby into all of its components. And once a player can do those, you know, so, um, and it's about breaking that down. Same for any other sport. What do you have to deal with and how can you systematically then build that 
that ladder that looks like that. So, you know, does it look like um, limb symmetry? Are we talking, can they function the same on one side as they can on the other? Um, are we talking, like, again, we have a lot of information on our players, but, you know, can you can you lift or can you move weights that you move before injury? Are you anywhere near that? What do you look like there? Um, and then progressing into, if it's a lower limb injury, yeah, progressing into running. So, I mean, literally all of our running starts with very low level, like, technical drills and then progresses on. So same idea, like we definitely don't go and, and send guys out for, you know, five mile jogs as their first run session. So it comes mm-hmm. about yeah. a criterion based approach to sort of say, like, listen, we know that these type of injuries and conversations that we'll often have will be, we know these type of injuries take normally this amount of time. However, for you and your progression, these are the things that I need to see you essentially tick off. So it's a, it's a if you take rugby as a massive big box and a goal at the very end, it's the stepping stones and the ladder that work to the very, very start of that. So as you start ticking these boxes, you're doing more. Yes. And as I said, some of them will be numbers driven. Some of them will be, as I said, percentage of lifts and that sort of stuff. Some of them will be speeds. Some of them will just be types of content. So, you know, maybe it's contact or, or that sort of stuff. But once they've passed their criteria that dictates that they should be back, that then that's going to be them returning into rugby. Um, and I suppose the big thing with that is that gives a player absolute control over what they are what their time frame looks like in terms of if they do everything as well as they can right and and tick their boxes and it happens for them they'll be back earlier than what you'd anticipated and if they don't they don't but if they don't it's not because anybody's holding them back it's just that's the natural path of the injury um injuries don't don't go um in a straight line we know they don't the thing that i always say um in like long-term injuries are hard um so when you're talking about like a even an AC, like an ACL would be this was a typical one where you're talking, you know, close to nine months, if not more. Um, you know, what I always look at is that if every week, you know, a player looks at their plan and if they can shave a day off a week. So instead of trying to shave weeks off and trying to be back months earlier, if they can try and look at that idea of shaving a day off or half a day a week as that sort of time frame. Well, a day a week over seven weeks is a full week. Do you know what I mean? Over a 14 week injury which is just over three months, you know, that's two weeks you're earlier than expected. And that's how we try yeah. and, and, and build up to it. Um, but that's it. I think time loss is difficult, massively difficult part of the job, but having a criterion based approach or having that milestone based approach is something that's much more appropriate for injury management. That is a great take home tip for any athlete out there who's struggling with injury is get the gateways done, get the, the checklist ticked off before going back no matter how short or long that time frame may be yeah yeah um and and anybody who is listening who's been struggling with an injury i'd say that like, there, there's a ton of return to play criteria that you can just google you can just google that term return to play criteria for what you're reading or what you're looking at you know hunting out a really reputable um physiotherapist who's, who's got a good handle on, on sports medicine just to give you that extra little bit of guidance i think is good value um so no that's awesome thank you um, so man, we're going to start wrapping things up. Um, really, really appreciate the the chat today, and, and hopefully some people uh, really sort of enjoyed listening to you speak. Um, and it won't be too long before we're chatting again. Um, you've always been a sort of a chirpy, happy kind of guy, anyway. Like I think you fit in well for this kind of a podcast because you've always been a really positive kind of guy. Um, personally, like where do you think a lot of your positivity and a lot of your joy comes from? Wow, wow, an in depth. I, 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 I dig deep dive into into my psyche 
Um, <laughs> in, in one word or less. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I really don't. Um, listen, I've I've never been been shy about the fact that like I've had a really really sound upbringing. Do you know what I mean? I was really fortunate. Um, really really fortunate, and I had a really really supportive family. So, um, like that's something that that I'm always thankful for. Um, does it make me who I am? Definitely. Um, I mean, listen, I grew up with as the youngest of four, so I've had to fight for everything, and and that's kind of been how how I attack it but like listen I'm really simple um listen if you tee up some nice coffee wine or whiskey that tends to be the way into me um uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's, nice, that's nice, it nice, 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 nice phrase there <laughs> that's it. That, that tends to be the way the way to, to be the way into me yeah that, that tends to be the way to get me to do something um but no like listen I I take pride in the work that I do um I really do try and, and do the best job that I can to help people and that's probably where I think our jobs are so so good because like that's essentially all you're doing you know as frustrated as we get and as pressured and stressed as we get I get the very crux of the matter. All you're trying to do is help people, which it's is a real feeling, man, isn't it? It's man, it's it's unbelievable. So, like, generally speaking, now, um, seeing somebody, so my in my realm, seeing somebody get back on the pitch, training or the or game pitch and performing, you know, first game back, excellent feeling, excellent feeling, um, yeah. always an excellent feeling after it. Never a nice feeling when it's happening. Uh, no. I would I would safely say that I don't enjoy most of our games. <laughs> you, you... Um, but do you, you know, like when you when you've had a guy that you've taken through a, a, a difficult or prolonged injury spell that's been tough on him, and and I know that at the top level it can be psychologically very tough on these guys because it isn't just their injury and it isn't just their sport. Their sport also happens to be their career and their income and their entire social scene. So a, a, a really huge section of these guys, their life pay is taken away from them when they're out injured. Um, so I know that when those guys go back to the pitch and they perform really, really well, they're looking the physio in the eye and they're looking the doctors in the eye and there's probably a big hug coming your way at the end of that big, at that first game. Um, yeah, do you know what? It's, it is that, like, it, it completely is. And, and I mean, the only thing that I'll, you know, counter that with a little bit is that, do you know what? There's such a big team behind um, players at our level. You know, there really but, is. Yeah. And at any level, do you know, you're exactly right in what you say. And, you know, players are unbelievable. Like at the end of the day, the player is the person that's done all of that hard work. So the person that needs the most congratulations at the end of that is, is obviously the player. Obviously, but they're really, really good. They're all, always, always really keen to, as you say, be be name checking or, or be, you know, big hug to the physios, the SNCs, nutritionists, the coaching yeah. staff. Like it's such a team team effort in that it really is to return somebody. Um and and it is something that's that's excellent. Actually, um, there's a clip on YouTube um, that that we have, not to plug it completely, but that uh, Jack O'Donoghue goes through a a long term injury. So if you search Monster Rugby, um, it's like a 20 minute like mini mini documentary. Really, really interesting because it gives you that insight as to what players. Okay, there's a lot of inf- interview with Jack and a lot of players or what they go through. Um, but they are they're they're absolutely excellent at it and and listen it's exactly the same um I would assume for any you know as I said a runner who now can't run um coming into any clinic anywhere that they now can get back into you know completing their their 1500 meters or their marathon or whatever it is um or down to that you know bring it all the way down like if we if we look at average Joe who now you know just can't get out for his walk in the day like and suddenly now you can like that's a massive thing that you that people and 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 I suppose physios are helping people with. Um. So listen, man. To be honest, 
like how is how is it not how is it not easy to be to be delighted and happy whenever that sort of stuff happens you know it is it is a great job when it's going well isn't it <laughs> um, big, big, so, big star <laughs> um i'm not i'm not going to keep you any longer buddy so we're going to wrap up uh, thank you so much so i'm going to ask you three just uh totally off the wall questions um so uh, i'm going to ask everybody the same three stupid silly ridiculous questions all right um but can you please tell everybody what your favorite movie is it's a notebook. It's a notebook. Uh, favorite movie godfather 2 oh okay right have you googled that as like top movies ever? Uh, no, but it has to be up there. Who would be your ultimate dinner guest? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you have to edit out some of the thinking time on this. Biggest dinner guest. Um, do you know what? Someone like maybe not him exactly, but somebody like a Roger Federer. Um, Roger mm. Federer. Roger Federer, we've been doing those table quizzes um, over these, but Roger Federer spent, some, or spent something like 240 weeks at number one in tennis. Like, that's wow. so mass. That's, that's whatever, nearly five years as number one. That's definitely somebody you want to talk to. That's a great answer, but I love that. Um, and finally, what is your next adventure going to be? Goodness knows. Goodness knows. Um, hopefully, whenever I can leave the two-kilometer radius of my house, <laughs> it's going to be a 5K run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I travel um, a little bit more, so I'm very lucky that I get to do quite a lot of that with work. Um, but yeah, I want to I wanna go and see um, a couple of, of, um, of the Southern Hemisphere sort of rugby facilities and, and see what they're doing, even, even look at some um, like Aussie rules facilities and stuff. So I want to go and do that. So Australia maybe is on the list, but again, that'll only be whenever everything opens back up again. Well, here's hoping, and here's hoping that all goes well, buddy. So thank you so much. It's been a great opportunity during a, an entire society lockdown to actually give me a kick up the ass to, to finally get you on audio and video. I'm hoping that I've been able to record as much of this as possible. <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, your beard's looking shocking well, man. That's, uh, I'm really impressed. It's looked good. Do you know, man, it's, uh, again, let's, let's focus on the, the positives of lockdown. It's, uh, it's focused on what I can do, so I can grow a beard at this time. And I don't have to. <laughs> um, the only question would be is that the hair might go at some stage. Um, I might have, have to shave the head, but that's, that's, um, that's something that yeah, well, I look forward to. You'd also have to make the transition from being a, being a number nine to being a second row with a shaved head and the beard. <laughs> <laughs> the, height would, uh, the height would be a massive disadvantage there now. So look, buddy, um, I'm going to. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you so much, man, for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, anybody that does know me will know that I don't, I don't tend to shy away from talking too much. So, um, it's always nice to talk about the stuff that I find interests me and, and listen. If it can have some kind of benefit with somebody out there, hopefully that's the case. That's awesome, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, talk soon. Bye bye. Cheers, bud.